Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome back to another episode of the Dr. Supercoach Podcast. You're on this week with JB, who's joined by Pistol. Hi, Pistol. No long intro this week. I think uh, there's a lot to talk about. So, <laughs> so we've got to get through as quickly as possible. And no, one, no one can listen on two times speed if we talk this fast. True, actually. I think a lot of people do listen on two times speed, so I wonder what happens when we do pick up the pace a little bit. Uh, we're going to have to keep trying and seeing how long we can go for. I can't go for any longer than I already have, so that's, that's good for them, I guess. Um, how'd your week go, Matt? It was a week where it just was good, but kind of disappointing. Um, I'm, I mean, I'm happy scoring two, three, six, five. Don't get me wrong, but Grundy captain was bad, made me feel bad, and then leaving a lot of bench rookie points on the bench is bad. I haven't played Poulter yet once. I don't know what's wrong with me. Every week, I just I'm like, ah. Oh, Collingwood's not good, and then I bench him, and I lose points every single week by not having him on field. So, haven't learned my lesson there, and uh, have left behind lots of points on the bench the last couple of weeks. But moved up into 299th, so tracking well as we enter the buys. JB, very well. Um, I had a small green arrow myself for the first time in about three and a half months. Um, <laughs> I'm just hovering around 1500. I've I've made one quote unquote upgrade in the last uh, two weeks, and that was getting Heaney. Um, every every week I've tried to get Zorko, I've had something else more important pop up and take that away from me, as in he's been in my team on Monday and then I've had to reverse trade and do something else um, out of necessity on the Friday. Uh, and I've missed his last three scores um, that I would have otherwise collected well, all of because he was in my team a couple of weeks ago. So 
annoying, but um, I'm just tipping, ticking away at my, my rank. I think the buys is going to be good for me um, and then bounce back up around the top 1K mark. So it could be worse, Pistol. There are, there are many people in worse positions, so that's that's my positives for the week. Um we're going to jump into some Patreon shout-outs straight away. Uh, we got 10 new sign-ups for this week. Um, we're about to have a big influx because we're about to start talking about the cup. Not quite yet, but whenever we mention that word, people start to, to come on into a Patreon tenfold. So the 10 that joined this week are Connor Ramsey, James Whitford, Dave Phillips, Shane Hage. Scary Terry, who jumped straight in with a Scary Terry <laughs> profile picture, which I love. Um, Jack Lewicki, Jake Sharp, Kane Hill, Kelvin Christie, and Brent Ambler. So welcome, lads. Get in, get a profile picture. Settle right in. I think I've had a chat with a, a few of them already, so loving their contributions so far. Excellent. Thank you very much for getting on board. And I'll jump across to the Cancer Council. Just the three donations this week because the community had a really strong week, which was awesome to see. JK says he's donating because Ratten hates winning and getting high more, probably from last week. Um, Sydney's donated for dumb things, overestimating Cozzy's ability and underestimating Gold Coast. Took Cozzy over Jones and has donated a dollar for each Cozzy point, letting the chase down Chizo team down. Sorry to hear, Sydney. No good. Um, and Connor Ramsey, straight into the patron, straight into the donating, donating for dumb things. So thank you very much. He Maybe says that's have the why VC. <laughs> Maybe. He said, have the VC on Jack McRae who went big and the only loophole I could use was Finlay McRae. And I found out late that Finn was the emergency. So I took the captaincy off him and put it on Tom Mitchell to take a punt. But I left Finn on field to try and loophole Jordan's score, hoping that Finn wouldn't come on. And he did. So he got six instead of the 85 and uh, the Tom Mitchell poor score as well. So a double blunder there uh, for Connor, which is... Tragic, absolutely tragic. <laughs> that is, yeah, that is tragic. It's, it goes to show. I think the people that took Highmore as captain loophole the week before, yeah, um, you can get away with murder. It probably the most nervous two hours of their life. I know a lot of people who did that move and did not watch the game because it, it would have just been too stressful. Uh, and then there are people like that this week who copped the McRae six. I think a lot of people got that after. Um, we had a influx of green ticks in our teams this Thursday, uh, and most people hit a good VC on the Friday because pretty much all of the players went 120. Well, actually, all of the players went 120 plus that we were considering. So um, you win some, you lose some pistol, but that risk is, is just too much for me. I think I would have um, <laughs> chickened out of it myself and, and not used the, the loophole. So we do have the prize league to go through, and then you're going to float through a couple of our numbers. Um, from this season so far, and we're going to show off a little bit before we jump into the main pod. <laughs> I uh, wasn't able to loophole this week, so I was forced into the Grundy C, so it still backfired e- even though I didn't get a fin six, but I still lost the equivalent points that Connor lost anyway just by having a worse captaincy choice. So, oh, funny, I didn't yeah, hear your donation. Bit from, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't a dumb thing. It's just an unlucky thing. When you have Jack um, Steele there, maybe, but... Yeah, well, I tra- yeah, traded in Jack Steele. That, that, that works well. Um, good timing on that one. So, JB, just going him. through the prize. <laughs> yeah, probably should have. Uh, going through the prize league here, we've got first place. Actually, let's start with third place um, because third place Craig CD Boom has had a massive month averaging uh, over 2350, which is 
insane. Still not as good as Dirty Devons, who just pipped him in second place and has moved into 10th overall. And Wado, our winner of this month, has scored 9.489 across this month, averaging 2.372 in the last month. And his rank has just absolutely shot up. I think he's gone from 1,500 to 24th overall in the last month. So... Yeah, um, and just quickly, I don't yeah, think I've flying. scored twenty three seventy two in a single week um, at all this month, and he's averaging that. So that's that's something. Ah, oh, unbelievable! So, um, JB, did you have the lucky prize winner? Uh, I do. So we have Dan as Douglas, uh, the the coach of Team Kenny Smith. So not a lot of interactions with old Doug in in Slack, but if you want to hit us up or specifically hit Chizo up. We'll ship that stubby holder out to your address and um, become more active in Slack, Douglas. <laughs> now, now that we know you exist, jump in. With a prize as well. So just some... Uh, we're looking at some of the stats of the week. We have now, as part of our patrons, we have seven of the top 10 overall, including first to fourth place are patrons of Dr. Supercoach, 26 in the top 99, 77 in the top... 499 are Dr. Supercoach patrons. That's an insane amount. And 108 are in the top 999, so in the top 1K, as well as having the top nine leagues. Essentially, you know, this is from 470-odd patrons. It's an insane rate that more than 20% are in the top 1K, basically, and 16% are in the top 500. Like, it's, it's beyond our wildest dreams at this point. This is an insane season we're having and looking very much towards having, hopefully, the first uh, Dr. Supercoach winner. I've had a lot of bad luck this year, Pistol, and the only thing that makes it worse is when you think you're turning that luck around and and you score 2,300 this week, you have it loaded onto Slack and you see everyone going 2380 plus and in your mind you know it's just because of the amount of incredible players that we have in there at the moment but also you're sitting there thinking if I'm giving advice to these guys and I'm doing this poorly or feeling this poorly in a group like this then maybe maybe we've done something wrong pistol maybe I need to leave slack and just go on a hiatus or something um, it's crazy how how low you can feel with a big score in there because of the amount of good players that are involved. So, um, absolute credit. But still join. Involved. <laughs> no, no, like it's not. It's it's good though because the amount of coaches in there spreading their wisdom and having incredible years, and us all three of us having good years comparatively to like any other year the three of us have played Supercoach all together. Um, it's unreal, and it's just a credit to everyone in the Slack, and it's a credit to you guys as well, having better seasons than I am. Um, but the advice that we're, that we're hitting in there is really, really bang on, and the analysis is um, honestly week by week incredible to read. So um, we're going to jump into an analysis for this podcast, um, for those listening still who haven't turned us off, even on two times speed. Um, we're going to jump into the Grundy dilemma, um, or lack thereof. We're, we're going to discuss this. So, um, I don't know how you want to tackle this from Pistol. I'm, I'm going to ask firstly what your thoughts are on potentially sideways trading Grundy, downgrading Grundy to someone um, who's either going to make money or, or score close to the other rucks, I guess. Um, I should say he's out for confirmed two to three weeks over the buyers, yep. um, or alternatively. Um, holding Grundy through the buys and, and trusting someone like Reeves on field. What are your thoughts there? 
So there's a lot, there's, I think you broke it up well, this question. Um, firstly, I guess, just as like a general position statement, I definitely think for my team, it would work very nicely for me to hold Grundy, particularly over the buys when I'm well prepared for the buys and I am capable of carrying him through the buys and not copying a donut in any one of the buy weeks um, because my numbers were nicely spread and worked out. So it's, uh, for me, in my position, my trades left, it's a, it's, it's a hold and that's going to be what the general population, I believe, will be in that same position. I do want to talk about the merits of of sideways trading him to Nick Nat because I believe in some certain teams there are definitely some benefits. I think, number one, it's that the two to three weeks is like a pretty loose, uh, he's going to get scans and we'll wait for a specialist and we'll see, but we think it's two to three weeks. It's, it's not like a hard he's out for two to three weeks and he'll be returning. There's definitely room on that back end to blow out, I think, for a couple of weeks. So we're so banking... Do wanna, wait, do you want to maybe chat about that firstly, your thoughts on whether it'll be two to three weeks or the likelihood of it maybe extending beyond that just so we can... As you're talking, I just want to break down your like thought by thought where you're, where you're thinking. Yeah, I think that it's... We'd need to wait for the specialists. So I, I don't really have any opinion on how likely it is to blow out. I just know that it's not yep. a firm three weeks. Like in other injuries, they've said like he'll be back in one or two weeks, like Bo McCreary. They were very clear. Like it might be one or it might be two. It's not going to be three, four, five. Whereas this injury for Grundy, it's, it could be two, it could be three, it might be more. Let's wait and see. Um, so that's kind Ooh, of the vibe that, that I'm getting. Wow. That's <laughs> kind of the vibe that I'm feeling from it as well. So I guess if you were to sideways trade him to Nick Nat, um, that would be, you know, you I, I guess in that case, you would be hoping that the injury lasts longer than three weeks so you'd get more benefit um, from trading him. I think the second thing is the money. Nick Nat just has come off a massive score. So his break-even is now 68, while Grundy's break-even is 169. So they'll... Nick Nat will pass Grundy in price at some point and you'll be able to easily trade Nick Nat back to Grundy for no extra money input. So it's like a quite easy transition if you have the trades and are able to do that. And I think the third point there would be for just general points on field, if you're looking at your round 14 buy and you're thinking, oh boy, I only have 16 players or I only have 17 players and you're looking at your team and you're like, well, I guess that week I might trade Brockman out to a playing rookie or I might trade Nathan Murphy out to a playing rookie. It might be better just to trade Grundy out, get Nick Nat's points for you know rounds 12 and 14 um, because you'll end up making more points than if you were to just trade Brockman to a playing rookie who might score you 40 points, but at least this trade with Grundy to Nick Nat might make you you know, 100 plus points. And then there's the potential for that Grundy injury to extend. So if you are in that position, I can totally see it being viable. It's just definitely not a position that most people would find themselves being in. I think I think what you said um, about Nick Nat and trading him in as opposed to moving a rookie for a score that week is super important. We are essentially going a premium down for those um, coaches who are keeping Grundy on anyone else who's risky enough to try someone like Nitnat. Um, they're going a premium up. So um, moving premiums or getting more premiums on field 
is an underrated aspect of the buy rounds. Um, you can have 18 players playing, but it's it's not a lot of fun when 15 of them are rookies scoring 40. Um, <laughs> not that you should have that many rookies at this stage, but you get the gist. So um, those points could be crucial. And if you're, I suppose, like you said, it is very team by team dependent. I've looked at my team and I can't possibly have the trades to trade Grundy back in with any confidence. Um, so it is very team by team. Um, if you're someone with a surplus of trades, maybe you've, you've dodged most of the injuries so far this season. Chizo's got a bag full. Chizo does have a bag full. He's got I like can... 16 or something. Like. <laughs> I know. I've asked, I've asked if he could loan me a couple, but he <laughs> said no. Um, I can understand the merit in doing this for not only a small, small cash grab, but the points grab could be closer to, like you said, before Grundy even returns... Um, 150 to 200 points potentially if Nick Nat really has some big games in that in that span and he's got a decent ruck run as well so yeah very good um, it's, it is something to consider but I think it's also underrated that Nick Nat um, doesn't really play football a lot um, I don't, I don't <laughs> think he's completed a full season uh, in his career yet uh, and he's looking to do so so far this year so um, as, as sad as it is to say it's it's almost like an injury is due um, to happen at any point for Nick Nat, or at least a rest, or, or something along those lines. So, um, I think it's risky getting someone in like Nick Nat when um, if they miss a week or two, um, all of a sudden you're falling well behind on that trade that you've used. So, or two trades uh, if you're getting Grundy back in. So, there is a lot to consider, a lot to unpack, um, Pistol. But just as a general response to Grundy to Nick Nat, what do you what do you see on this? So I think for me, my opinion probably would change more if there weren't like a plethora of R3 playing options. Like to be able to have Callum Colm-Jones come in as well as Reeves, who potentially is a shoulder injury, but we'll we'll see more on that one. To have like two viable R3s that are both scoring well. I mean, CCJ scored 112 this this season, it's uh, sorry in his fir- in his uh, first game for this well, season. Yeah, this season. <laughs> and and Reeves has put up, I think it's a score in the seventies and eighties. Like if even if Grundy did miss potentially, you know, round fifteen, it's it's not like we'll be left with a zero. We'll be left with probably a seventy score, which is better than a usual season where we would be left with a zero. So then I would be more in the camp of trading. But given we have this cover, it feels more fine. Like you could easily get around just by trading in, let's say you wanted to trade in CCJ this week at your R3 for Flynn, which is probably going to be a very popular trade. You get CCJ on field now because Grundy's benched. And then next week you can swing him forward and you can bring Reeves into the ruck and you can have another two playing rucks next week. Um, It just kind of all works out quite well for the buyers in the R3 department. So because of those options that are available, it makes it much more palatable to actually hold Grundy. Yeah, and I think this is our best argument for holding Grundy. Um, The fact that obviously Reeves does exist and CCJ exists, despite CCJ, by the way, being a forward, um, he was uh, like a ridiculous amount forward. And I think the only time he took a ruck contest was when Nank um, looked to have received an injury. Uh, besides that, he was completely at full forward. So we're, yeah. we're relying on a young, tall player to score scores. Um, obviously, playing for a good team like Richmond helps that cause. 
Um, but as we've seen with Tracy, who I think is a worse player than Coleman Jones, so it's not exactly like for like, um, those could also end up in very low scores. So um, I don't think I'd want to be having CCJ on field for any amount of time that isn't during the buy rounds. Yeah. However, Reeves looks like someone who's at least got a floor of 70. Um, Clarkson put forward that he and um, McAvoy were really promising in the side, um, splitting ruck duties and um, Reeves obviously being the height of a, a small building um, <laughs> is bound to get some hit outs, bound to get some intercept marks. So I, I just, I think the security of him makes this almost a non-discussion for the other options. And the fact that I mentioned downgrade, but we're not even like really here to discuss downgrade because I don't see the merit, um, is pretty much a testament to how Reeves looks as an option and the fact that CCJ also exists as a secondary option if Reeves um, has something happen to him as well. Yeah, the downgrade is a weird option because surely you're better rookies to downgrade to these guys rather than Grundy. Like, you're going to need to trade Grundy back then, and it's not going to be for, like, a points profit, most likely. It's not going to be for a points profit, and probably not a money profit, given there's other ways to get Reeves and CCJ anyway. So, it's a bit of a weird one um, to suggest downgrading Grundy, especially during the buys. So, I, I, I guess... I suppose this, this option yeah. would be applicable if Zach Smith was um, more of an really option. Good. Yeah, yeah, because maybe 200k, a, a, a you know, Ruckman with... Superb job security he should have because Wits is um, missing the rest of the season. Who we've seen average eighty five plus before, um, but he just doesn't look likely to to average eighty five plus. He, he might be the only ruckman in the league that gets sole ruck duties that doesn't average eighty five plus at this rate. So, I mean, um, um, there, there could be people that are just like have like fourteen players during the buys and just need to get numbers but if you have like 14 players during the buys you probably have other non-playing players that you can get rid of instead of yeah. Grundy <laughs> so yeah so I think uh, essentially we, yeah. we can see scope for the sideways trade to Nick Nat and if you're a risky player and you have a lot of trades and this is essentially why you have a lot of trades for opportunities like this um, there could be a monetary endpoints gain um, for, for sidewaysing Grundy to Nick Nat just be wary of Nick Nat's injury risk as well because you don't want to be fun, um, fumbling that position in your side all, all season for the rest of the year. So just be wary. And the, the, the players who are holding, I think, are admitting that even if this injury does become a four- or five-week injury, having Reeves on field for a couple of rounds um, is less painful than having to try and get Grundy back into your sides with limited trades. And I think the last point I want to make is... If you are going to trade in Nick Nat, just kind of look at the risk profile of your, your sides. I, I don't know if I could recommend that if you also traded in Heaney last week, and I think a lot of teams now have Aaron Hall. There's just a lot of players that have higher, I guess, injury risks. I mean, I know some people are tra- planning on trading back in Josh Kelly, for example, as well. If you add up all these players and you're trading out Grundy and then are planning on trading him back in, I think you might be a bit short on trades coming, you know, towards the end of the season. So just another thing to keep in mind. Yeah. So I think we we can pivot onto the rookie discussion now, which um, in Slack has been a little bit of a heated one, not intentionally, but <laughs> between I think, us, <laughs> I think yeah, you and I have gone back and forth, um, mostly due to a misunderstanding. I think uh, more of the the phrasing around the rookies this week and um, the just the fact that. 
going early on a rookie is still super risky, no matter who they are. And going early on someone who had ice on his knee post-game, albeit precaution precautionary like at best, um, is still still inherits quite a lot of risk and that it's not just a guaranteed playing player on your field for the next couple of weeks. Having said that... Who are you talking um, about? <laughs> Bianco, I'm talking about. Oh, okay. Um, Sorry. Ha- having said that, you knew who I was talking about. Don't, I just don't wanted fish. everyone else to know who we were talking about. They, they would know when I got to my next sentence. Um, having said that, players like CCJ and Bianco are going to be coming off of their bubble um, after this week's buy. So both will be gettable next week off their bubble. Um, sorry, CCJ. Bianco and Reeves will be gettable yep. next week off their bubble. I, I should say CCJ is a longer prospect because he's got his buy. Um, so those two players, I think, considering what we've seen from them so far, Reeves offering the Grundy um, cover and Bianco offering just decent scoring potential on field during the buys as for a rookie, um, I think they're both really highly touted rookies for us to get into our sides. Um, the 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 moment it gets dicey for me is when players like myself are planning for a double upgrade that week um, to two players like Whitfield and Josh Kelly or Travis Boak or players that we'll discuss later. Um, and now all of a sudden you want four players in your side, you've got three trades and someone's going to miss out and you don't want it to be the guy getting you lots of points. So going early on one, I think is going to be pivotal this week. Um, I'd like you to discuss which one is, is probably best to go early on than Pistol. Yeah, it's a it's a good prompt. I think for those that didn't watch Bianco play and maybe just looked at the score 83, like he was so good. Like he was everything that Collingwood supporters needed to see this season to have any sort of happiness towards the back half of the year. So um, <laughs> I'm very thankful to Trent Bianco and how he played. He, he was fantastic. And I think at least now he's bought himself a, a couple more matches I would say quite a few more hopefully to the end of the season but regardless I want his scoring on my field because I feel like he can put out some good scores he plays Adelaide this week he will play in round 13 which is a little bit of a difficult buy for me as well so I want that scoring potential on my field I think you you touched on it but just to I guess explain it a little bit more in depth the flexibility it allows you by getting Bianco this week is the biggest win in my eyes because next week, if you if you weren't to go early on one of these rookies, next week you have to get Bianco and Reeves if he's not injured. Like it's no, they're no brain, they're no absolute no brainer picks. And then if you want to get an upgrade, like you said, a Whitfield or a Kelly or whatever, you can only choose one. And what happens, JB, if you cop an injury? Like I don't want to jinx it because. As we all know, I made a comment in Slack saying, what if Grundy gets injured? No, we don't know that. Can you expand uh, on that, please? No, do I have to? I have to expand on Bianco, so if you, if you want to just give us a moment of your time. Somebody said, I should just captain Grundy, right? It's not like he's going to go sub 100. And I said, what happens if Grundy gets injured? And then he scores worse than that. And then like within the next hour, Grundy got injured. You, may, you also said, oh, at least we get Finn McRae making some money. <laughs> I said it's a bit morbid, though. Just to point out, that, just to paint the whole picture for everyone. McRae went down in price as well. So it was like uh, yeah, a I know. Whammy. So, you, so, you so bad. Play. Oh, my God. But, yeah, if that were to happen again to another player, which I will not name any names. Good call. Then 
you're suddenly deciding between upgrading and missing Whitfield or missing out on Bianco or Reeves, which is a terrible place to be in. So you kind of have to make your move this week. And if I'm going early on a rookie, I, I don't really see it being anyone else but Bianco. Even there is an injury risk, but given all the other options, I still think it's, the I guess, the best play moving forward. Okay, so... I'll get you to to go through why not Reeves in a second. Um, shoulder injury. We don't even need to talk about it, do we? Potential shoulder injury. Okay. So if you just want to explain for the people that missed it, um, he essentially got a shoulder knock late in the, the game for Hawthorne. I think he was left on the bench for the last 10 minutes and yep. it wasn't... I don't think any of the staff were too concerned. There was no... He was um, smiling and happy and like didn't yeah, seem to be faced. There was, yeah, there was, no, there was nothing you know dire about the situation at all from a viewer's perspective. Um, but he didn't come back on. And um, despite it not being mentioned in the presser, it still could be an issue coming off his buy if it, if it is one of those stingers that hangs around like we've seen with Dan Houston and now Cam Guthrie. Um, we don't know. So essentially, it would be a little bit silly to just jump into him before he's named for his bubble game. So... Um, I think that's just the gist of it. So, I mean, yeah, Bianco Bianco is the guy to get. I, yeah, I'm just worried. And Unless you're going next week, unless your plans are to go two down, one up, um, in which case there's no reason to go early on Bianco this week. Would you agree with that? No, or well, the whole worms if you get an injury type argument still makes I mean, a if you get difference. an injury, you're in the buys. So there's there's no real desperation to trade, especially if you're trading two guys on their buy. You're essentially juggling zeros anyway. So Oh, I think you could get an injury to a player and then if it's a long-term one, you need to like trade them out. You might be priced out of somebody that you wanted because of the injury. I think there's I think just for the safety of flexibility, I still think it's a low-risk play getting a high-scoring rookie that will gain you points this week on field for a small risk of... Even though it's a high risk of an injury-prone player, it's a small risk given he only really needs to last you know, two weeks and then you don't really care as much about the rest of the season after that because he won't be on your field, if that okay. makes sense. Okay, cool. I, I appreciate the, uh, the wording on that. <laughs> I've, try, um, I've tried to word no, it no, correctly. Yeah. <laughs> I, I really just didn't want people, especially those with an option of you know not even trading at all this week, um, if that was their plans. Yeah, I just didn't want to sell false hope on get him, get him, get him, no matter what. Um, and that was sort of the, the messaging that I was getting from like personal messages and on different socials. And I was like, uh Let's maybe pull back from that that idea and and just look at it in the grander scale. So, huh, no, I think we've we've gone through that perfectly. Um, CCJ CCJ obviously um, not as much discussed because he does come on and off of his buy before he's on and off of his bubble. Um, so he's one to look at in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, Reeves next week. Bianco this week is our ordering. Um, I wanted to ask quickly about Max Holmes. Is there any chance that it, that he's a, a must get for us as a rookie? Um, he's played two games now for Geelong and he's on his buy. I think he's a possible get, but far from a must get. I, I can see how he can survive Guthrie and Duncan's return, but I find it really hard to see how he also survives Dangerfield's return into the side. So he might be reliant on another injury in that side to remain in, but it's definitely the possibilities open. He looks like a player that could have decent scoring potential. Um, so 
we'll wait and see, but I'm not, I'm not like shifting around the board to like plan to get him in because I find it more unlikely than likely. So yeah, that's kind of how I see that. I just want to quickly say with the, with the CCJ, um, his job security looks really good, at least until Incredible, Lynch is back. Yeah. So yeah, it, which, it's, which it's they a funny have story. a time frame on, by the way, Tom Lynch. Well, it just means it's a funny story in terms of like, he's definitely got the better job security, but then he'll have his buy and he's not got a good buy either with round 13 with people are struggling with. I guess if you're desperate, like if you're looking at a zero this week and you need to get in Bianco and CCJ, well, then I, I would probably do it to avoid a zero situation um, because his job security just looks really good. Okay. Well, this kind of segues um, into my next topic. Jarman Impey, you obviously just discussed having a zero this weekend and how we could get CCJ. What about getting rid of someone like Jarman Impey? He, his role this round was described as, by many on, on watchers, a mix of forward, defense, and kind of everywhere. I think he may have even got a CBA, unless I yep. was reading something sarcastic. No, no, he, he did. He actually got a CBA? Okay, so... He was, yeah. He's kind of all over the. He's kind of all over the place. I think maybe something to do with Jack Scrimshaw coming in and, and looking really good down back as well. Um, I think he's always been a futuristic um, type player for them. Will Day does also return shortly, um, and the fact that he enjoys. I don't, I'm not going to say he like solely needs the MCG, but he enjoys the MCG, which might be also taken away from from Hawthorne for a couple of weeks as well. Um, I think it's one to really discuss while he's on his buy. He's made a lot of money from where we started the season. Are we getting a little bit carried away and romanticized with the the fact that we could have picked a keeper at 200k? Or is he actually looking primed for um, a sideways slash upgrade this week, especially if it gets you someone else on field? It's a fantastic question. I think he his role was awful because he, he was playing half forward and then he was in the middle and then he was in the back line and he wasn't settled. And for him, he ended the game in the back line. But for that to happen, they pushed CJ into the forward line. So it Did kind they of, really? I didn't, it, I didn't yeah. watch the game, so I'm only going on hearsay here. But No, wow. yes, CJ played forward in the last part of the game. So it, wasn't, it was kind of a situation where the back line wasn't big enough for both of them. And I think it may have been Damon Greaves came in and was playing off the half-back flank and they just, for some reason, I mean, maybe he, he can't play anywhere else or whatever it might be, that they just switched all the other magnets instead. So for me, I think Impey is actually a good scorer when he plays off the half back. But if he's going yeah, to play... he's been off, serviceable, yeah. Yeah, when he's played off the half forward, he's obviously an immediate trade-up. But I don't believe just yet that he's going to play... You know, off half forward again. I need to see the lineup. I need to see what Clark is thinking. If there's any signs of him having another game with a quarter at half forward, like he's going to be so quickly gone from my team, it's not funny. But if he plays off the half back flank, I'm still just going to hold him and keep his body warm until I can eventually trade him to Dangerfield. I think that's probably still going to be my end goal. I think the trick will be when to jump because at some point we're going to jump. I just. That, that timing will be absolutely critical. Yeah, I kind of think that the timing is is now for a lot of teams. Um, a lot of teams that, given the factors I, I read earlier with Will Day, Scrimshaw, the MCG, um, and this one, the fact that he's had two tons in the last seven weeks, um, I think the time could be 
now. Um, his last four, sorry, his last five matches read 74, 116 against West Coast, which is great. 82 against North Melbourne, 91 against Carlton, 62 obviously this week against Gold Coast. Um, it just looks like he's tapering off a little bit. He, he, has barely put together a full season, um, if ever. I haven't actually checked the statistic on that one, but um, maybe maybe it's a case of MPs just slowing down a little bit. Maybe Hawthorne are still trying to ramp up a little bit. Um, they've got guys returning. Greaves was particularly good last year off of halfback, um, and I, I assume in the game that he played this week, I'm making a lot of assumptions here and a lot of <laughs> factual comments, um, he scored somewhere in the 70s, I think. Um, so I, ju- I just think if they like him there um, and and that MP unfortunately might be one that gets thrown around he's called 34 um, MP might be one that gets thrown around and a-, a lot of players that they have are really versatile and could get thrown around um, yeah. that just scares me if they can play someone like Sicily who's the best intercept marker and, and best halfback f- flanker or whatever role he specifically plays um, in the competition if they can put him forward then why is the guy who's played forward his whole career besides this year um, not prone to the exact same thing, if not more prone? So I, I, I really worry about it. His scoring potential anywhere else other than off of halfback is is super concerning and really bad. Um, and I'm not exactly in the best position this round. I think it's just okay for me to move him on. I mean, if the thing is, if you're going to move him on anyway... Like no matter what, like if you've made up yep. your mind and you've got the trains, trades, it, it doesn't quite matter which of these three buy rounds you move him on as long as you're you know not copying any zeros because if you can shift him to a midfielder this this round or next round or for next round whatever it might be like that's great as long as you end at the end of you know round fourteen going into round fifteen where you're able to you know have a full contingency contingent of playing premium forwards then it doesn't really matter what order. You trade them in, like you can trade in uh, MP to a rookie and have a rookie on your field for the next three weeks. It doesn't matter because it's a bias. As long as that money's being invested back on your field, yeah, you know who cares. I think the only the only time constraint that you have is is if he scores another poor score next week, the one hundred and twelve break even is going to turn really sour. Yeah, um, and you're going to lose. You're going to start backpedaling a lot in the two hundred and thirty k that you've already made on the pick. And alternatively, he could be in defence. He could score 80, 90 and, um, and hold on to his value for a couple more weeks. Anything could happen. Um, that's just kind of part of the, the pro and the con for me and I'm erring on the side of caution. However, like I'm not trying to tell every single person to trade him out because it is very team dependent again. Um, and you, you might just believe that it was a once-off and it might be a once-off. Um, it's just, yeah, we yet to have anything confirmed. So before we talk about some options that you might want to look to trade MP2, JB, how do you feel about Danaher? Because he, in a somewhat similar situation, put out a putrid you know, 48 points this week, now has Melbourne, which, I mean, Melbourne are looking unbelievable. It's hard to hear me say that. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Those words, but they are looking unbelievable. It's not a good it's not a good game, a matchup for Danaher, and he might leak even more cash. He's, he's already just dropped 15K. Um, is he now, given his round 13 buy, is he somebody that you kind of might need to panic about and, and you know think about when to get rid of him, or is it just one more week, cop the price fall, break even of one ten, and then just toss him at his buy? A good question, um, one that I did not expect. Uh, so Danaher, <laughs> one of the two unexpected questions I'm going to throw at you. <laughs> That's this podcast. Okay, excellent. So Danaher, price at one hundred four hundred and sixteen k, made you one hundred eighty two k. Nobody's starting Danaher had him pegged as a keeper. So I think that is still true to this day. He's, he's not a forward keeper. Um, I, I'm very much okay with trading him out. I, I don't think he's particularly going to leak as much cash as Impey might be, considering his role is a little bit safer and he plays North Melbourne um, in his next game following his bye. Um, but you probably, if, you, if you're in the mindset of trading him, you probably don't want to hold him till after his bye anyway. Um yeah, Melbourne then buy. He's yeah. He's, I suppose he's just going to lose another fifteen k. He he's one that you could just trade. Like I'm just trading Impy, and just don't have any remorse for it. Just just do it. I guess if you're well stocked to the buy, um, and if you don't want to lose that extra, he he loses twenty k if he scores seventy. So, um, if that money means a lot to you, then absolutely trade him. Like we just can't fantasize about these players being keepers when we, we didn't select them as keepers. And when they're finally showing us, hey, we're not premiums, we're not keepers, we can't argue that and say, oh, wait, no, but you know, you've know you got all these good scores for me, I'm just going to hold you. That's when we start losing lots of money. So um, absolutely, good point. I think Danaher is a trader at the moment. Okay, now with all of this being said, who, who are we trading these players to, JB? Who's at the top of your shopping list? Who have you got your eye on? And and when would you make be considering making these moves? Yeah, so the the one that comes to mind, the, the talk of the town at the moment, is Isaac Heaney. Um, being he's priced at 398k, which is still very, very low for someone who, if you're trading him in at this stage, you'd be considering keeping for this season. Um, break even of 25, he's going to go up a lot of money as well this week, so not really one to, to sleep on. Is he... I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna answer your question with a question of my own. Okay. Is Isaac Heaney, considering what we've heard from Longmire for two weeks in a row now, about not um, participating in training, and if he pulls up sore, he he's likely just to miss the game. Um, is he still actually an option given those comments? And if so, is he the? I think he would be probably one of the best options. So the exact quote was, we expect him to back up and play. We manage him during the week, and uh, he doesn't do a great deal during the week, but if he gets a bit sore, well, then he doesn't play, and we'll manage him from week to week. So it doesn't sound great. It's scary. 
it is very scary. And I think that was the risk in trading in Heaney. I think everyone knew that there was, a, you know, an injury risk associated. I think the risk seems a lot better when you've paid 347k for him and he's just put out a score of 128 and has, you know, on paper good fixtures. The question is now if he's still, you know, 400k, is it still worth the same risk? Given the options I can see in the forward line and Heaney's ceiling, I think this is probably the final week where that risk-reward ratio is somewhat balanced. I don't think after this week you're trying, you can't pay you know 450 for him and his injury risk. I think it will also depend on what your bench situation is looking like. You know, in an ideal world, you can still hopefully get like an F7 that's somewhat viable. I'm not sure who that might be at this stage, but that could be an option. But just given the forward options and their current prices, it's hard to really justify paying over 100k more for like Bailey Dale, for example, over Isaac Heaney. Um, it's it's a bit hard for me to fathom that one. So I still like him because I think his scoring potential is very good and his price is still just under 400k. But this this is that final week for me. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't get him after this one. I agree. And at this stage, he at least still has St. Kieran and Hawthorne, in which um, if he does play both those games, uh, worst case scenario, if he, he's to miss games after that, um, you're looking at someone who's who's still appreciated quite a bit of cash and, and can be quickly moved to a better player. I know that's risky to associate two trades with someone who you're upgrading to, um, but he obviously, as he showed this weekend, um, has an ability to score really well in victories, um, and they've got a few more coming for the rest of the season, so he could be a very juicy pick. Um, just be wary, obviously, of those comments. Another one who I think is... Like I mean, essentially number one on my priority list is Shea Bolton for Richmond, the yeah. better Dustin Martin. Um, he has <laughs> scored uh, since that twenty nine against Sydney, which was a full game of twenty nine. He actually started the season with eighty five, eighty eight, and twenty nine. Since then, he's subtuned once for a ninety nine against Melbourne. Those scores read one hundred and ten against Port, one hundred and ten against St Kilda. 99 against Melbourne, 121 against Western Bulldogs, 108 against Geelong, and 102 against Adelaide. There's some pretty good teams. Um, Port Adelaide, Melbourne, Bulldogs, Geelong, all turned up. Sorry, Melbourne 99. Um, all essentially as close to Tundab. Um, and now they come home with a couple of nice fixtures. I, I, I just think of all the players in the forward line, this is one that we've overlooked considering those first three weeks. And, and now is priming to be a very good upgrade target. He's only 512k. Yeah. Um, I say only like that's you know chump change, but it's not that expensive for someone who's only subtuned once in the last uh, six weeks. Yeah, it's definitely a good pickup. It's unfortunate that he's got that round 13 buy, so he's probably not somebody I'm looking at grabbing this week, but potentially if MP manages to put out an average score next week, you could be looking maybe at trading him in just after his buy, or I'm not really sure what the exact Sh- go will Shea's be. Shea's break but... even is 94, uh, sorry, 97. Yeah, so he won't he's go not exactly going to rock it up. Yeah. I think that, yeah, that definitely could be that missing midfielder link. He just kind of looks like the next best guy 
out of all the options and there's not a long list either it starts to get uh, a little bit punty after that but you're right he's, he's been putting out consistent scores um he would have been a good buy at that 400k obviously he missed 440 odd or whatever it got to but then the um he missed a, a couple of games with that fracture wrist, yeah but he's back he's playing good footy he looks really good eye test wise amazing so yeah i think um i think overall that's a good call but do you have any other players that are kind of on your radar that maybe a similar price or a little bit cheaper? I have have one more. Um, First of all, I I should say Aaron Hall, if you don't have him already, because I I speak like everyone has him because all of Slack has him. Um, He's an unreal pick. Even at 502k, I would snap him up in a second. Um, I think he's a better pick than Shy, by the way. Shay. I keep saying Shy, but it's Shay. Um, so he and Shay should be top two on your, your list for me personally. Um, the other guy who comes to mind is still side bottom um, and not for the, the best, most um, confident reasons, but more so that he's just doing good <laughs> most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, so um, uh, if we if we sort of brush past these first three weeks of 87, 51, 79, uh, he's done well. He's got 93, 119, 85, 92, 94, 96, 94. So very consistent. He's peppering the 90s. He doesn't look in danger of putting out a, a big juicy ton, but he also doesn't look in danger of putting out a, a, a 50 or a 60. So um, he could be your consistent guy. He's a lot cheaper than Shay. He's um, essentially got 40K on him. So uh, 30K, I don't know where my maths is, but... Um, he is a slightly cheaper option and, and priced closer to German Impy if you can't quite make the jump this week. Um, but yep. he's not exactly someone who I'm recommending with any confidence. And his break-even it's, is still 97. So he's he's literally just peppering exactly yeah. what he's priced at. I think watching him play every week is still not passing my eye test where he's just getting a lot of touches and slamming it on the boot. He doesn't have that speed to break away from the contest anymore, so he's not using the ball as well as he has in previous seasons. It looks to be that he has these mammoth quarters. He seems to play one like 50-point quarter every week, and then he just gets like that's, 10 to 15 points. Yeah, he gets like 10 to 15 points for three quarters and then just has one massive quarter and ends up on the 90s. I think it's happened the last three weeks now. So... I'm scared that one day he just won't have that 50-point quarter, but he keeps doing it. So there might be nothing there. I might be jumping at shadows. I certainly think there's far worse picks, but he's. I'm, I'm still scared to recommend him. I feel way, way, way more comfortable with Bolton. Yeah, I think Bolton's the, the real, real attractive pick for this week. Um, I think Heaney is still a very potentially good pick as well with his two-game run uh, in the next couple of weeks. He will obviously make a lot of money and and be unattainable or um, I suppose someone who we wouldn't highly recommend given Horse's comments during the week at a higher price. And Aaron Hall is a real no-brainer with his current role at the moment. Um, Do we want to quickly just... I I see a lot of the... I've got a couple of others, yeah. Sorry, I just wanted to quickly say about Aaron Hall while we're, while we're on him. I see a lot of back and forth on Twitter about his injury proneness. Um, I want to say, for those who have the time or the resources, just have a quick look into why Aaron Hall has missed games in the past. There's a lot of not best 22. There's a lot of um, mental health um, reasons that he's missed games. There are a few soft tissue injuries in there, but I thought 
I, it shocked me. I almost fell off my chair when I read it. I thought there were a lot more soft tissue injuries that he'd missed games for. Um, that really turned me around on the pick as well. He's not as injury prone as what we like to label him as. Um, and given his you know, relatively bruise-free role as far as AFL player can go playing off of halfback when you watch the games there's really not anyone within 20 meters of him when he's got the ball so um as long as he can keep his body together which i think is less of a risk than what people think it is he is a sensational pick with really high upside so i just wanted to quickly get that out have a look into why he's missed games in the past all right well a couple more names that i want to throw out to you i'm, I'm going to brush over Nick kind people might be screaming at their um in their car or whatever they're listening because we haven't mentioned him but I kind of feel the same as Sidebottom he just peppers the 90s yeah, I, don't I don't think like, he's I don't high like enough I, I feel the same way I feel Bailey Dale has a higher ceiling than Hines and is slightly a better pick but we missed that 150 I don't know if he's going to get there again and he's also going to just probably pepper 95 I think he's a better pick but still worse than Bolton so Dale's okay I guess just okay. I agree. I think another just okay pick is Tom Hawkins. He's got his buyer this week. That's why I really wanted to mention him. Um, 513K. He's kind of put together a decent last couple of games. He's got four games. This went um, 149, 91, 101, 126. So he's put together a couple games in a row. Has played relatively weak opponents, though, and then does come up against Port Adelaide Bulldogs Brisbane in the next three, which are particularly hard. So it'll be interesting to see how he goes in that time frame. But he's almost the exact same price as Bolton. So one to consider coming off his bye, but it's still probably a pass on my end. JB, the last one I want to talk about purely from an eye test position, and I, I think it's been clear that I've watched way too many North Melbourne games this season so far. Oh, no. It's, you know, it's I know how you're going to say recognize Hall. And there's been a little bit of a positional change for Taron Thomas lately. The last three games I thought he's looked particularly good. He scored 94, 114, 94, his last three, playing more through the midfield, getting a bit more of the ball. He is now a little bit too pricey, I think, at 413k. If he was sub 300, maybe we could talk a bit more about it. But if you have lost faith in Impey, would you potentially jump ship to Taron Thomas? No. Too risky. Yeah, yeah, just too risky. I... And I agree. He actually he does kind of pass the eye test. He's really good to watch. Um, I, I just I, like he could. He's versatile, to be honest. Um, he looks like a really good player, good future, young talent. I don't think he's glued into the CBAs. Um, I think something could change in there that has him on the outer again um, eventually, even if it's for a couple of games. And that is enough to say that his scoring potential would just plummet so so harshly um, that it's, it's really hard to suggest him. Um, if you're a North supporter and you have inside word that he's going to stay in that midfield, um, I, I don't exactly disagree with the pick because I think he's a, a, going to be a, 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 he's a star in the making sort of thing. So um, I, I can see the pedigree there, but he's not one that I'm openly recommending and not one that I'm, I'm gambling on myself. Have we spoken about your man? My man. I was going to throw back to you and say Robbie Gray. Because of the pots, oh my Lord. Easy, easy fixtures after the oh, buy. Why don't, why don't we just man, exchange 424K. boys? Well, the the man that I was talking about that was your man was your main. <laughs> my main man. Um, well, I don't think he's in the forward line, is he? 
It's a midfield only, I'm pretty sure. Am I crazy? Probably. Oh, man, he's a midfielder. Oh, let's get him in the midfield anyway. <laughs> let's quickly he's... talk about, before we jump into the midfield, quickly let's talk about Robbie Gray. Port Adelaide have a great fixture end after round 13. Um, is he someone that could beat up on the weaker teams and could see him finishing okay? No, nah, not really. No, nah, okay. Well, I'm glad we asked and spoke about it. <laughs> um, but Maine, I'm, I'm happy to talk about Maine. <laughs> Um, always, always been a, a big fan of Maine. Um, 492k. You might be wondering why the hell we are talking about Chris Maine on the podcast. Not the first time. Uh, <laughs> there was not, last not year even where in the top I've, five. I don't think. Yeah, no, I've mentioned him quite a few times in the past because whenever there's a slight Maine role change, I'm on top of that. I'm like Chris Maine. Look, Chris Maine always has these roles where he can score really well, but he never lasts in them for a long period of time. But lately, he's been playing off the halfback flank, not too dissimilar to the Aaron Hall role. Yeah, I <laughs> so agree. So he has scored 112, 112, 142 in his last three games. He has looked good, I'll say. I mean, look, he's a bit slow with the ball and doesn't switch as quickly as maybe as you want. He's not really line-breaking, but... His kicking efficiency is out of this world. He, he's not missing any targets. I think in this role, he will continually score well. The issue is that we will make changes. We'll throw people in different spots. And I don't think this is going to be a role where, one, it lets Collingwood win a lot of games. And two, he's going to have to last for like 10 more games this season and yeah. in that role. And I, I don't think that's possible. But... Thank you for bringing him up on the podcast. I do appreciate talking I about love Chris Mayne. You love talking about Chris Mayne. <laughs> He's just such like a sneaky fantasy pick at some point. I just wish he could have a role for the whole season. He, he's, he's a draft smoky at all times. Yeah. All times. It's, you need to watch Collingwood games to know. And if you're first on it, you could get a draft smoky at any point of the season. Um, it's, all right. So did you want to discuss more about midfielders? Maybe what, what is it specifically the guys coming off there by next week? Or yeah, I think that would be a good idea. Or? Well, okay, so I, I think... Wait, hold on. Yeah. I, I, I think I know how to address this. So um, the main reason we want to discuss players now and not just next week is because what you do this week is actually very, very impactful on what decisions you're able to make next week. We did touch on it early when we discussed on the rookies um, and just that you might be locked into at least one or two trades. Just which trades you're locked into, you could probably decide on this week. So um, if you like multiple players coming off their buy next week, I, for example, like Whitfield and uh, one of Josh Kelly or Travis Boak, I'm, I'm yet to crunch those numbers. It'll probably be Josh Kelly. Um, I've identified those two as, as people that I desperately want to get coming off of that buy. So um, identifying them a week in advance has made me last week trade um, into a lot of money which I now hold this week and this week I am doing everything I can to keep that money high so next week I can do the two up one down um, rather than two down one up to get one of my premiums in so um, I think that pretty well explains what we're going to be talking about now in terms of which players are going to be coming off the buy and which players should we potentially be changing our trade plans for pistol yes that's basically exactly where I wanted to go with it. There's a lot of players, but actually, you know what? Quick fun game for me. 
maybe not for you. I love I'm going to name someone's last five scores. I just want you to take two guesses at who it might be. Uh, oh, Lord. Starting from the fifth round to go. Uh, 145, 66, 134, 142, 113. Oh, boy. Um, is that Josh Kelly? It's not, but I'm glad that you said that because they're in the same price range. Um, and it's not Ollie Wines either, who I also want to compare, as well as Boak, all in the same price range. Ben Cunnington <laughs> has put oh, out Lord. a mammoth five weeks uh, as well. And, so, and a 66. Uh, yes, he's put out mammoth scores <laughs> and a 66. I want you to kind of give me your preference, because that price point is very different to like the, the Took Miller and... and um, Guthrie, you know, 600k price point. You're, you're kind of shopping at a different supermarket. So, in this bucket of, I guess, Aldi specials, yes. <laughs> which are any of these players that you're looking at bringing in when they get off the buy? Yeah, um, I'm definitely shopping in that range. I've identified that I need to be shopping at that range. I don't want to be at Aldi. I don't particularly <laughs> like the taste of their food. But Ouch. I don't get paid enough to go to Woolies, so here I am. Um, I I am definitely in this range. I liked Travis Boak um, leading into his last couple of games, but he is prone to slowing down as the season progresses. So I'm less hot on him after his last couple of scores. Um, I think we desperately need the buy, and we desperately need a good run of teams to face, which we both have approaching now. Um, but I don't know if it's enough to get him over a 110 average for the rest of the season. Um, someone who I think can get a 110 average for the rest of the season is Josh Kelly. Um, obviously, he's changed his role back into that midfield spot in the team. Um, surviving the, t- the Toby Green um, injury and staying in the midfield, I think, was really important for me. Um, Brent Daniels returning is probably the next big test as to how Josh Kelly's midfield goes. But GWS are playing better with him in there. I, I think it's quite obvious. It's always been obvious, which is the scary thing, that they play better with him in there. Um, but at least it's happening. They're playing better. He's in scintillating form as well. Um, I've identified him at a cheap price to to target off his buy. Um, the other guys you mentioned, Cunnington, I think the injury proneness of Cunnington is yep. just too much for me. Um, with that back injury, that could be really tricky. That could flare up at times. He could miss a game here or there in the second half of the season and no one will be surprised. Um, I do love his... Well, he actually doesn't really have a lot of pedigree, um, but it, it just as a player, it's hard not to like Cunnington, but he's just not for my Supercoach team. Uh, and who else did you mention? Was yeah, it would have been Ollie Wines. Yeah, Ollie Wines. I think I think Ollie Wines kind of makes a decision for you when you have a look at his scores. Um, he's had a really good season. Um, most Brilliant. games over thirty disposals. Yeah, he's just not actually got a, as high a ceiling as what you'd expect for someone who who plays so well and is probably the most influential player on our team at the moment. Um, our real barometer for us just isn't putting the scores on the board. I'd like to have seen uh, more higher scores, more scoreboard impact, I think is is probably a big factor there. But um, if he just doesn't have it, he doesn't have it. So I'm not really keen on trading in to someone who could average between 108 and 111 for the rest of the year. I feel like Ollie Wines isn't somebody that will necessarily do better with easier port fixtures either. Either, yeah, potentially not. His scores against opponents, I can't really see much there. I think he's had 
all of his big scores have been at Adelaide Oval. He's 143, 139, and 134, so that's like a tick. But then also his worst score of 70, I guess a showdown, you never really know what's going to happen, but he's also put in some poor scores there. So it's pretty hard to judge how he's going to go. I think he's a decent punt. If you don't want to take that injury risk with Josh Kelly, I think the next one in that price bracket I probably would go for is Wines. He's just had such an unreal season. You can kind of hope that with an easier draw, he does better. But purely on scoring potential and not factoring you know, risks, Josh Kelly is probably the standout option. I just, I just think for a lot of people, if you've got the Heenies and you've got all these other injury-prone players, I don't know if you've got Houston as well, potentially, JB, um, or do, if, you've yes. Got, yes. if you've got Hall... Um, you, and yes, now I we've do. got Grundy, you know, all of I these injury been. risks in your side. I don't know if you want to add, if you'd want to throw Josh Kelly into your I side. You might, want to, you might want to just play with a, a, a touch more balance. Um, I think no, there's, I think I want Josh Kelly. <laughs> I think there's some question marks around all the GWS midfielders. Ward's had a really good three-round average. It's, it's actually funny. I, I was clicking through all of GWS. No, 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 I know. But... He's three round. He's gone 120, 110, 125 in his last three, and and he's quite cheap. Then I clicked on Hopper, and he's 137, 108, 100, and I'm like, all of the GWS midfielders except Taranto, who's had one bad score, they all have scored you know three tons in a row. <laughs> like, they're all just lifting. So, I I don't know what that means. And they're maybe better with Josh Kelly in there. I think. I mean, potentially that could be it, but it. Is For it true that you hate Josh Kelly after having to trade him out earlier in the season? <laughs> yes. I want to get this out of the air true. right now. Okay. It is true. It is true. Is but that factoring into your discussion right now? So, if I had to shop in that price range, I would definitely <laughs> be considering <laughs> Kelly, but I'm not I'm not looking for that price range. There's too many, at least for my team, I've missed too many top-tier premium midfielders where I don't want to miss anymore. I don't have Bontempelli. I don't have... Parish, who looks unbelievable. Um, I don't have Lions. I don't have Neil, obviously, because he's been out. And I don't have Guthrie as well. And all of these players are really good, and I don't own them. So I'm saving my last two midfield spots, probably for one of them for Neil, just because of his price and scoring potential. And then I need to make a choice on one of my other ones. And that might be Guthrie coming off the bye, but he's had a sore shoulder, so I don't know. Might be Lions who had a stinker with 82 and then might bounce back, but now might be a bit cheaper. There's all these other options that I can afford to get with my side. So I don't know if I want to lock in a spot for one of these, I guess, Aldi specials. Yeah, I think you want Josh Kelly. I don't I don't want it. I don't want Josh Kelly. Mm. Alright, well before sus. we before we move on entirely, maybe we can very briefly in five minutes or less touch on some defensive Options as well. (laughs) Oh, you said five minutes or less. (laughs) Um, Okay, just for anyone who wasn't considering Whitfield, get Whitfield. Um, He's very cheap. He's 503K. He's lost 60K in the season, which I think 90% of the world was going to start him with um, before the season started, before his injury. Um, He did start slowly with three sub-tons, all 74-plus, mind you, a couple in the 80s. Um, And then he had 110 against West Coast, 120 against Brisbane, faces North Melbourne, Carlton, and Hawthorne following the bye. 
Um, I think he's just an absolutely disgusting pick who's going to do disgusting things. Um, and he's got a decent break-even of 72, so he's probably at his cheapest for the season as well. So get on. Get on the cheap, cheap, cheap Lockie Whitfield before he's sold out. Um, yeah. Other than that, the defenders are really... I, I guess a lot of people probably have a settled defensive line as it is um, and, and might not even require any more defenders beyond Lockie Whitfield. So I, I guess it's interesting. Who I'm going to throw some names really at target. you then. Yeah, go I'm for throw it. Some. So Blake Hardwick's been averaging 100 under the radar this season. Uh, coming off his bye. under the radar. Not worth selecting? Uh, not worth is is a bit harsh, but only one ton in the last five weeks, which yep. is a big one against North Melbourne. I, I just think it's too risky for me. Yep, deal. Uh, the other one that I want to quickly talk about because I'm going to call him your man because of how well he's done for you in seasons past, uh, and that's Shannon Hearn. He's oh. uh, now 409K, mm-hmm. which is incredibly cheap given you know he's usually up there in the points with a break-even of 56. Uh, he's put out scores. He's, he's had six games and he's put out four tons. Yeah, six is a good number to point out, actually, because that is what he scored against St. Kilda when he got injured with a calf injury. Um, I, I just think that's too much of a potential chance of happening again um, for old Shannon Hearn, old being the, the correct term there. So um, I think he's going to score well when he plays. I, I just can't pencil him in for the remaining... Um, 10 games of the season. Yeah, it's it's hard to see. You know what? If this was round 15, maybe I yeah, would look at yeah. it because it, it would only have to last a couple more weeks and there's a cheap price and maybe you could do well, some you fancy loops. Yeah, well, I had one more, but you go for it. Oh, is it my boy? Maybe. My actual boy? Could be. Zach Williams, 420K. <laughs> it is most played- certainly not your boy. <laughs> Being played in defense now, 85 against Melbourne, 124 against Hawthorne, 80 against Sydney. Wowee, Zach Williams, 420K. No, we've learned our lesson. He's made of plasticine. I've not learned my lesson. I know you haven't. It's terrifying. But look, he's not even that cheap anymore. Like I get if he was Heaney's 340K and you wanted to like roll the dice on him, but he's not that cheap. I'd rather Hearn right now because at least Hearn scores well. Okay, okay. I can't take this anymore. Who was the last guy? All right. So this one is actually a genuine question. People who have to get Whitfield or want to get Whitfield, I should say, maybe you've already got Whitfield. Whitfield. Maybe you've already got six premium defenders. Okay. And now you can't afford Callum Mills. And now you're thinking, well, Callum Mills might be better than all the Aldi Brown specials. Because Callum Mills is averaging 113 this season and looks to have found some incredible form in the last six weeks. Is it worth switching Laird to M8 to enable you to pick Callum Mills instead of one of those Audi specials? If you really are really heavily against Josh Kelly, then yes. It could definitely be worth it. But I just think Josh Kelly's better. Um, I think he'll be better in the long run. I think he'll average more. Um, I, I just I think Josh Kelly ticks more boxes for me um, based on history than anyone else. So I'm, I would rather go Josh Kelly over Callum Mills. But if you're heavily against Josh Kelly, like Pistol is, for yep. no good reason... <laughs> 
um, <laughs> then yeah, absolutely. I see. I, I, I like the curveball. I Mills is good. Think Mills is been so much better than I expected, and the last oh, couple yeah, of weeks true. he's taken it up another level. At least from watching him, I know in round five he got eighty four. That was the last time he subtunned. And he was on 87, I think it was, at three-quarter time. And then barely touchable in the last quarter, and the game was on the line. So, scaled downwards. But he was looking really good as well for a nice score. So, I think he's put together an incredible season. And I think out of all of the uh, sub-600K midfielders, I think Mills is probably better than them. I mean, I'd be looking yeah. at Mills over Petrarca at this point. I know there's I've a 50K. i best. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a worthwhile question to ask, and if you're shopping in that price range, it's something at least to consider moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. You got to get creative in this game. So, I mean, if you don't have Zach Merritt, he's 540k. So, yeah, he's if you don't too. have Jack Steele, he's 576k. <laughs> if you don't Steel. have Sam Walsh, he's 561k. So, gets yeah, all Walsh. three of those guys are probably better. Yeah. Yep. But anyway, <laughs> like it's 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 all it's all up there. Uh, I like Mills. He's a good pick. Alrighty, what's uh, what's next on your shopping shopping list? Um, that was about it for me. Oh, we're going with a the supermarket theme now. No, no, I think that's that's it. I think we're done. <laughs> that's it for the podcast. The podcast well, is over. Yeah, we've done our shopping and let's go home. <laughs> so there's obviously every player is a vice captaincy option almost, and captaincy option given the buyers, and you can use the buyer players to do all your fancy. Loopholing. Um, mm-hmm. We probably don't need to talk about which rookie to play, given you can loophole in every line anyway and probably won't have 18, yep. 22 plays. But captaincy-wise, uh, is anyone tickling your fancy right now? Um, good question. I, I haven't looked this far ahead. I maybe should have before the podcast. Um, I yeah. think Oliver Orgorn are super easy picks at Traeger Park. Um, I know it's against Brisbane, but I don't think... By memory, Brisbane are particularly restricting to other midfielders, especially without um, Barry or Neil in the side. So I think I think Clayton Oliver, being the form guy, um, is probably good for a vice captaincy shout. I mean, he's just not going to score sub one fifteen. He, he like he just doesn't have that in him. Yeah. I need to check when was the last time he even did that. Um, round six against Richmond, he scored one hundred and fourteen. And round three against GWS, he was tagged to 67. There is only two sub-115 scores for the season. He's having an insane year. That That is unbelievable. So um, he's the best vice-captaincy option for me, I think. Um, I, I, Gorn should do decently, by the way. So if you are more inclined to go Max Gorn, then I don't disagree with it. Um, in terms of captaincy scores, it's, it's going to be tough to find someone... To bounce back into, I suppose um, Optus Stadium, Western Bulldogs play Fremantle. McRae could just be a super, super easy captaincy pick for a one fifteen plus. Um, Bonzapelli, if I owned him, the exact same um, same result, I think there. So, besides that, it, it gets a bit difficult. I don't like Steele against Sydney. He hasn't really done exceptionally well in recent times, besides the game against North mm. Melbourne. Um, so I'm not ultra keen to go on to go down that route. Um, <laughs> Ah, it doesn't leave a lot, does it? No, it doesn't. I mean, there's a couple of Richmond guys that, that people might have in Bolton and Dusty, but I think we learned how to lesson there with Dusty against... I mean, they've got Essendon, so that it could be something good, but probably isn't. Laird, just subtunned. Yeah, so I think you've pretty bleak. much you've nailed it with Oliver and McRae. I think that's going to be a common one. I guess Walsh, 
without Tim Kelly. I mean, maybe the midfield might get on top of West Coast, but it just seems like a risk you don't need to take if you have Oliver and McRae. I know um, Warner and some other Swans players were sitting on Walsh um, around some stoppages outside of the centre bounces, so they might try that same technique on Jack Steele potentially. So I am leaning right now very heavily towards Oliver and McRae. If you need a Smokey to try and win a league or two, Rory Laird last time against Collingwood will forever be etched into my brain given he scored 185 against us. So I think uh, with Collingwood's current form and Adelaide's decent form playing at Adelaide Oval, I would expect Laird to have another good game. So that one is definitely... Right That's there a for good the point. taking. And, I, th- I think yeah. I think Heaney could do silly things to St Kilda as well if they're not in their game. So, um, I mean Callum Mills, <laughs> Callum Mills and another one too. could do very <laughs> sneaky things. Um, yeah, I suppose there are there are a lot of average picks, um, a few good picks. Uh, I think you just have to stick to what we know in Clayton and McRae. Yeah, I mean they're both averaging one twenty seven point seven plus. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah, tr- they're truly. both unreal. Alrighty, JB. Cool. I think that'll, we got there in the end. Up, I think. Yeah, I, I think we did as well. Um, thanks for everyone for tuning in. Uh, I hope that was. I mean, I think we really honed in on even the team-specific type of trades that people are probably considering this week. So, I hope it was helpful. If not, please contact us uh, on our twitters. If you don't, if you aren't now Slack already, that's at JB underscore DRSC at Pistol underscore DRSC and. At Cheezo with a Z underscore DRSC, who, by the way, is working tirelessly behind the scenes to edit these and get these out as well. So big ups to him. Thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, We'll be back next week for the round 12. I don't even know what week we're in. Is it round 12 (laughs) review next week? We're we're going into round 12, so yeah, it will be the review. Good. Can't wait for it. All right. (laughs) Thanks, everyone. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 